Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Land. As always, whether you're listening via SoundCloud, the LM Radio Network, or the Columbia, South Carolina app, we want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day. Jam packed show today. Uh, gonna have, probably gonna have Scotty on, a good friend of mine. We're gonna have Scotty Johnson on the second of the hour. Gonna get Joe in. Joe wants to talk some fantasy football. So that's always going to be fun. First week of football. My Bills, they got demolished, to say the least. But before we, we get into what I, what I really want to talk today, what I got on the agenda today, we're going to start a new segment on the show. And this is what it's called. Daryl, my other brother Daryl, and my cousin Daryl, and it's what's going on in the world of sports, according to me, Daryl. Now, first, Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, Champ Bailey, London Fletcher, headline the 2019 Pro Football Hamlet Hall of Fame nominations. Tony Gonzalez, the best tight end of his era. Ed Reed, the best free safety of his era. Champ Bailey, one of the best cornerbacks of his era. And London Fletcher, JCU alumni. By the way, shout out to London Fletcher. One of the most underrated football players of his era. One of the most underrated linebackers of all time. All these people are going to be finally put up for consideration to be in the Hall of Fame. Ed Reed, Tony Gonzalez are, of course, sure fires. I'm pretty sure Champ Bailey will as well. Next up, my NFL predictions for week one. 500. I was 8-8. Eight and eight. We had some wins. We had some losses. A big loss was you got blown the freak out. The Detroit Lions. It's safe to say Matt Patricia is another Bill Belichick. He's a fraud. The Lions lost 47-17 to 17 on Monday night. And maybe it's time we realize something about Matt Patricia, just like with other people from the Bill Belichick coaching trip. They all fail because it's hard to take what Bill Belichick does and then bring it over to another team. Eric Mangini's failed. Romeo Cornell's failed. Bill O'Brien has had has been hit and miss in Houston. Charlie Weiss has failed. Josh McDaniels failed when he was with Denver. Speaking of terrible, the Buffalo Bills were god-awful last Sunday. Lord have mercy. Losing 47-3 to the Baltimore Ravens. 
Josh Allen, it's just been announced, Josh Allen will be the starter for the game this upcoming Sunday against the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, a lot of stuff that I sucked, and I will get into the Buffalo Bills later in this show. Believe that. They got exposed. They are an awful team. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to give up 47 points in an NFL game. The sad state of Power 5 football in Florida. Both Florida and Florida State and Miami have struggled. Kentucky beat Florida for the first time in 31 years. Florida was in the Florida, Florida State was in a 36-26 battle with Sanford. And Miami got blown out by LSU a couple weeks ago, week one of college football. For three teams that have a rich story tradition, Michael Irvin, Urban Meyer, Bobby Bowden, and one of the richest recruiting grounds in the country after Texas, it's Florida. It's a pretty sad state of affairs. UCF, the people's champ, they can now be the best team in Florida. Who would have thought that 10 to 15 years ago? Damn, talk about being ahead of schedule. We're talking about below schedule with all the Florida schools. Talk about being out of schedule with Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. Giving Dabo Sweeney and the number two ranked Clemson Tigers all they could handle last Saturday. Hard fought 28-26 game. It was give and take. And A&A made a lot of mistakes in the game that really cost it for them. Per Pat Smith of the Paul Feinbund Show. Aaron Shuttles of the Athletic Reporter that Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts will redshirt for the 2018 season. It's about time. You need to let Jalen Hurts redshirt, and then he can transfer. Then you can go on with Teo Tagovailoa. Now, three running backs hurt. Jeremy Hill out for the season for the New England Patriots after a knee injury. Oklahoma star Rodney Anderson out for the season with a knee injury. And Bryce Love won't play versus UC Davis because of an undisclosed injury. Here's my takeaways. First, the Oklahoma will not have to worry about Rodney Anderson. He's a great running back being gone. Simple fact. They have Kyler Murray, arguably a top three quarterback in football and likely a Heisman Trophy finalist. New England Patriots. I mean, they have Rex Burkhead, who I think actually might be a better running back for what the Patriots want to do. He can catch passes out the backfield. He can run outside. And they still have Tom freaking Brady. But number three, Bryce Love. Well, I think Stanford can deal without Bryce Love, especially against UC Davis. Bryce Love, my prediction is wrong, and I will admit this now. Bryce Love will not win the Heisman. Anthony Davis reportedly parts ways with... Agent Thad Farcher. Here's, and he's now reportedly going to go to Rich Paul, who is the agent of LeBron James in childhood, friend of LeBron James. My biggest takeaway for this is, I don't know whether it's Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler, but somebody is playing with LeBron James in Los Angeles next year. I don't know what star it is, but somebody will, so let's just read into the tea leaves with that. Last weekend, a lot of controversy, U.S. Open in tennis, Serena Williams got kicked out versus her set because she called the ref a thief. Now, I think everybody's missing the point that she cited that the chair umpire was sexist. But let's also remember this. We don't know whether the umpire was having a bad day and Serena did lose her composure. And the Red Sox clinch a playoff berth with win versus the Blue Jays and are the first team to reach 100 wins. Star pitcher Chris Sale came back throwing 95 96 miles per hour and topped out at 97 the red sox will be a tough team to beat in the postseason and that's it for what's going on in the world of sports according to me daryl my other brother daryl and my cousin daryl biggest stories biggest headlines what i think is interesting now when everybody grows up they have sort of rules at at their home you know in their house right 
whether you live with your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, you know, whether you're adopted, right? Aunts, uncles, cousins. There's a certain rule you have to abide by by the adult authority figure, you know, that you know, rules over the household that's in charge. I grew up in a house based off of respect and, you know, respecting adults and understanding that adults have more authority than children or adolescents. That's the type of house I grew up in. So my mom and dad, they never let me do whatever I wanted to. They didn't buy me alcohol. You know, they never smoked me up. I couldn't come home at any hour I please. I was expected to go to school. But everybody, and you know this too, you know that family? And they're your neighbors, right? And those kids, their parents let them smoke weed. Those parents, they let their kids drink alcohol. Those kids, they let them have sex. They let them ditch class. They let their kids come home anytime they want to. And you know, just like I do, those kids are a little bit different. They respect authority less. They're more likely to talk back to adults, more likely to curse at adults. I was in the barbershop a couple, about um, almost a month ago, right? A month ago. Mr. Billy, right? Mr. Billy. Barber, my barber. Uh, good friend of my dad's. And we were talking, and I was telling him a story about one time I was at Delwood Park, right? Delwood Park. It's one of the parks I, you know, I would come and I'll hang out with some of my friends. Delwood Park. And there was this kid, I'm not going to mention his name, but this kid was kind of a problem child. And kind of had some of the issues I explained, right? So he, he comes outside, and we weren't really friends. I was with a friend, and he was acquaintance, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But when he comes out the house, right, we're talking. I guess he was out too late. His dad wanted to do something. His dad came out. He told his dad to shut the F up, right? Never forget this. I was probably in, like, a freshman in high school, maybe in eighth grade. Don't exactly remember. During the summertime. And the dad, after this kid told his dad to shut the F up, his dad went back in the house and was like, Sorry, son. And I, and I was just like, damn. If I said that to my mom or my dad or my grandma, I'd be picking my teeth up off the floor. I would get my, I would get my arse beat. I mean, my mom and dad, they would have been taken away from child abuse because that just wasn't something that was accepted or just, no, like to me, that's just unimaginable being able to curse out your parents. That is just unimaginable. When I was telling Mr. Billy that, Mr. Billy said, you shouldn't hang around with kids like that. And the reason Mr. Billy said that was because his explanation was, if they talked to their parents like that, the people that gave them birth in this world, the people that raised them, that fed them, uh, that wiped them, they couldn't wipe themselves. He's like, what do you think they're going to do to you? He's like, those people would turn on you in an instant. And that kid, uh, don't think he finished high school, ended up leaving. I haven't seen him since, actually, right? Don't know how he's doing. Hope he's doing well, though. So, it, it makes me remember, right, like I said, the house, based off of the authority that's in the house, it allows the kids, the adolescents that are learning from the adults, it, it shows how they act. My grandma always said it, my grandma was a social worker. Kids that curse out their teachers also curse out their parents. Because if you don't curse out your parents, you're not going to curse out a teacher. That's how it usually works. And the Steelers have a lot of issues going on. Le'Veon Bell's holding out. The holdout has become so ugly, offensive linemen are talking about Le'Veon Bell's money, which never happens in NFL locker rooms. That's a taboo. 
Le'Veon, after the Steelers tie with the Cleveland Browns, has like an eye emoji. And like, are you trying to take shots at the Steelers? And Le'Veon Bell's like, no, on Twitter. I just never seen a tie. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell is taking shots. There are reports Le'Veon won't be coming back and for the second week. Here are the other problems with the Steelers. They play down to their competition. A tie with the Cleveland Browns, who haven't won a game since 2016. 2018, folks. The Steelers had six turnovers in the game. Ben Roethlisberger had five of them and threw three picks, fumbling the ball twice. The Steelers have a lot of dysfunction coming out of that locker room. Like I said, the offensive line criticizing Le'Veon Bell, which never happens. Players always support players. And like I said last show, if the offensive line are going to criticize a player like Bell's stature, especially since Mike Pouncey and Le'Veon Bell, they're, they're supposed to be boys, right? When that happens, that lets you know there's deep issues going on that we don't exactly know about that goes deeper than he's just not holding out. There's more issues. Antonio Brown, recently in the news, for doing what? Telling a reporter on Twitter, wait till I see you, bro. We're going to see what your jaw look like. Threatening to break a reporter's jaw. That's what Le'Veon Bell was doing. James Conner started in place of Le'Veon Bell. Had a good game, had over 100 yards of rushing. He does a celebration, hugging every single offensive lineman, you know, doing something with every offensive lineman. Subsequently, it looks like he's taking a shot at Le'Veon Bell, whose offensive lineman criticized Le'Veon Bell for being selfish. You know, a little bit of pettiness that is going on. A lot of things that aren't kosher going on in the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room. But this has been the norm for the Steelers. It's been the norm. Let me tell you. Remember last year, Juju Smith-Huster standing over and knocked out Bontez Perfect? Then Antonio Brown yelling in the locker room, karma, that's karma, that's karma. The Steelers ignoring the Jacksonville Jaguars that they're looking at the Patriots. They say, we're going to play the Patriots in hell. Uh, we're going to play them wherever. And then they lose and they overlook the Jaguars. And Blake Bortles put up, put up 40 on them, right? The one person I blame for all of this, fair or not, it's just the reality of the situation. Mike Tomlin. I love Mike Tomlin. Super Bowl champion coach. African-American coach, went to another Super Bowl. I love Mike Tomlin, top five coach of the NFL. I love his passion, I love his ferocity. I love the way he goes about coaching the game of football and interacting with players. He's a player's coach, I love Mike Tomlin. But just like with parents, and you can tell when the children act up, it says something about the parents. When the child cusses out his teacher, that they'll let you know he probably cusses out his mom and dad, right? When the child sags his pants below his behind, Probably doesn't in front of the parents. Never forget one time I saw a kid coming out to school. His pants, he's always sagging. He got out of his mom's car. His pants were up. And I was like, damn. He got to finally have his pants up? Then the mom drove away and his pants went right down. And I was like, okay, this makes sense now. This makes sense. Like parents, like I said. We have to blame Mike Tom. Mike Tom is the coach. Mike Tom is the leader. Mike Tom is kind of the father figure, the guy everybody looks to for wisdom and advice. He rallies the troops. Could you imagine a Bill Belichick coach team doing this? this? And this only seems to happen to the Steelers. I don't hear other stories with wide receivers yelling karma in the locker room after somebody gets knocked out. A receiver standing over somebody that just got knocked out the game and cracked back. 
You can laugh about it and brag about it in the locker room when the media is not there. Antonio Brown taking a Facebook Live post. And it's not this other stuff like this doesn't go on NFL locker room. This stuff is on the DL. We don't know about this stuff. The media doesn't hear about it. The people don't know about it. The fans don't know about it. They do this stuff out in the open. That's what's crazy. The lack of discipline on this team is showing something is wrong. There's a reason why the Steelers haven't won the big game. Remember how talented we talk about them. The, the killer bees. Ben Roethlisberger, Super Bowl winning quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback. Le'Veon Bell, one of the best all-purpose running backs ever. Antonio Brown. People are now comparing him to Jerry Rice. They have a talented defense. Juju Smith-Houston is a good second receiver. A lot of talent on this Pittsburgh Steelers team. A lot of talent. But they can't win the big game. They can't. Like I said, I love Mike Tomlin, but sometimes it's just not working. Sometimes you need a change of scenery, right? That's what works best for you. You get in an environment, a different environment, a different voice. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a different voice. I'm not saying Mike Tomlin's not a great coach. He is. And he'll make another team happy. He just might not be the coach for Pittsburgh right now with this group of players anymore. Now, here's something I got to talk about, right? The Buffalo freaking Bills. Talk about being a clown show. Just talk about foolishness, audacity. Talk about killing a brother now. I mean, just ripping my heart out. I live in Cleveland, right? So I'm watching. I'm sitting on my couch on Sunday, get my notepad, take notes on the game, what's going on. Happy, I'm happy. Week one of football. NFL football's back. Doing homework as well. Multitasking. I'm watching the Browns-Steelers game because in Cleveland, you know, you get regional coverage. So when I'm in Buffalo, I get the Bills coverage. It's regional. And I'm not really watching, uh, paying attention to the Bills game. I have it on my computer on ESPN, but I'm not really totally paying attention to what's going on with the Bills. I call my aunt, my aunt Tioni, and me and I, we're, we're talking, we have a dialogue. Then halfway through the conversation, she's like, hey, Daryl, the Bills are up 40 to 0. And I'm like, what? And I start tearing up a little, and my heart starts pumping fast. And I'm like, what? What's going on? Because the Browns-Steelers game was kind of compelling because Ben Roethlisberger's throwing all these picks. The Steelers obviously are not ready and prepared for the Cleveland Browns. They're looking over and like we know the Pittsburgh Steelers can do. And it's like, can the Browns finally win a game? So I'm so captivated in the game and talking to my aunt and doing homework. I'm doing a bunch of things. And when she says that, I look at the score and I'm like, it's 40-0 to right now. And it was like the third quarter. And I'm just like... Just damn, I, I thought, I, 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 didn't, I knew the Bills weren't going to be good. I've been telling people. Told my dad, told my Uncle David, told everybody in Buffalo that would listen to me. They were not going to be good. And I, I didn't think they were going to be good, but they were a lot worse than I thought. The final score was 47-3. to You know how hard it is to score 47 points on an NFL team? Do you know how hard it is to do that? Almost impossible. It is, you have to try to get 47 put up on you. And even to score three points, it's also hard to score three points. With the rules now, you, have to, you can't jam receivers, you can't touch the quarterback. Competent players should be able to do better than that. And I thought the Bills were competent, but at least I'm wrong. But I'm wrong. And here's what I'm going to do. People need to get called out because this just ain't cool and it's not kosher and it's not right. The Bills, they suck. Nathan Peterman, you're a nice guy. You're humble. You work hard. I would hang out with you, Nathan. You can come on this show. We can play Madden together. But you ain't a good NFL starting quarterback. You can be my friend, but that don't mean you're good at your job. Let's look at Nathan Peterman's stats. 5 of 18 for 24 yards, 2 interceptions, 3 sacks. 
Peterman has now completed 29 of his 67 career passes, 43.3% for 276 yards, 1.2 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, seven interceptions. That is awful. He has a 25.7 quarterback rating for his career. Now let's look at Tim Tebow, the guy everybody said couldn't throw the football, right? Was completing like two passes a game. Tebow had a career quarterback rating of 75.3. That's three times higher. And Tebow could also run the football, which Nathan Peterman can't. The offensive line. You guys are a safety hazard. Keenan, when, when Keenan Strand came on the show, former center for JCU, Keenan came in from Miami. Keenan said, when offensive linemen, I know this because I played offensive line in high school. When offensive linemen can't protect the quarterback, it is a safety issue. You need to get arrested. Nathan Peterman getting hit upside the head. Josh Allen getting hit upside the head. Pressure people in your face all the time. I felt bad for Nathan Peterman and Josh Allen because they were getting their arses kicked on live TV. Had no time to make decisions, getting beat up, punch drunk. It's not cool. You gave up six sacks, nine quarterback hits, and ten tackles for loss. You ran the ball 22 times, only got 83 yards on 3.8 yards per carry. No Richie Incognito, no Cordy Glenn, no Eric Wood. I told you the offensive line was going to suck. Did I not say that? I said that. Kelvin Benjamin, please, shut up, Kelvin Benjamin. During the preseason game, game one of the preseason, you talking trash with Cam Newton. Having beef with Cam Newton. Cam Newton tried to be the bigger man and squash the beef. And you'd be like, nah, nah, man, nah. And I'm like, okay, Kelvin, you can do that. But listen, Kelvin, here's what I want to say. You're average. You're an average receiver in the game. You had one reception for 10 yards. Is that what you want from your number one receiver? No, because Kelvin Benjamin isn't a number one receiver. Which is why the Carolina Panthers traded Kelvin Benjamin. Right? It's why they traded Kelvin Benjamin. And by the way, when the Panthers were 15-1 and and Cam Newton was an MVP, it's funny, right? A second receiver talking to a league MVP, talking smack to an MVP. That's funny in itself. But when Cam Newton had that MVP season, the Panthers went 15-1 and went to the Super Bowl, Kelvin Benjamin was hurt. Hmm. Not really a winning player. Shut your mouth. You're average. I don't want to hear you talk. I had problems with Draymond Green talking because I said Draymond Green was average. But at least Draymond Green got rings. You talking and you ain't got no jewelry. That's a problem. The defense. I didn't see this coming. Quite frankly, I expected better. 47 points to Joe Flacco. You made Joe Flacco look like Tom Brady out there. Lord have mercy. Joe Flacco was damn near I, I, three steps ahead of the defense the whole time. And people are talking about the, the Jets through the Lions plays. Uh, it looked like the Ravens knew the Bills plays. I mean, th this was, it was alleged, it was crazy. Joe Flacco looked like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers all in one. I've never seen Joe Flacco play that well in a long time. And I was like, okay, we thought the Ravens were going to be offensively challenged. No, they're not. And now Sean McDermott. I ain't forgot about you, bro. Because here's what I want to go on to this. And I will say this. I am pissed at Buffalo Bills fans because they criticized me. And people have told me. My dad, Uncle David, told me, hey, I'm being a hater. You know, i got to stop. I'm from Buffalo. Listen, I'm saying this because I care about the Bills. I care about my city. So I'm going to be honest. And I'm not going to be a homer and ride the gravy train and just go with the flow. I'm going to tell you how it is and how I see it. Sean McDermott, you ain't Bill Belichick, bro. You keep getting rid of talent. You get rid of Ronald Darby. Uh, Super Bowl champion for the Philadelphia Eagles now. Marcel Darius was in the AFC Championship game. Sammy Watkins is with one of the most exciting young offenses in the NFL with Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Tyrod Taylor, now a solid starting quarterback, who led us to the playoffs, by the way, for the Cleveland Browns. Princeton Brown had 144 tackles last year, now at the Cincinnati Bengals. Stephon Gilmore, New England Patriots. Now, Stephon Gilmore, 
was in the Super Bowl. But let me not talk about, well, let me also get to this, Bill's Mafia. My uncle and my father included, criticized me, like I said, said, listen, Daryl, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, I'm being too hard on Josh Allen. I'm being too hard on Ethan Peter. I'm being too hard on Sean McDermott. But let me tell you, you guys show no respect to Tyrod Taylor. Nobody in Buffalo shows any respect to Tyrod Taylor. And this is what I want to go for this. I want to talk about this. There's something called high self-sports esteem and low sports self-esteem. Bill's fancy dev low sports self-esteem because everybody's like, we don't need Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor's Captain Shackdown, right? Well, let me tell you, what the hell do you think Nathan Peterman is? Nathan Peterman can't even get the ball five yards down the field. I don't know if Josh Allen can play. At least Tyrod Taylor is better than that. Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor is an average quarterback in the league. Nathan Peterman might be out the league in a couple years, and I don't know if Josh Allen can really play in the league yet either. Yet people want to hate and complain about Tyrod Taylor? Stop it. I know Tyrod. I know he played bad against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But guess what? The Jacksonville Jaguars are the best defense in the NFL. A lot of quarterbacks play bad against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Unless you're Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback ever. Guess what? Let's not hold Tyrod Taylor to that standard. Sean McDermott, like I said, stop with the Sean McDermott love fest. I know he got the Bills to the playoffs. I know. But Sean McDermott has proven a couple of things. First of all, knows nothing about the quarterback position. L let me tell you the ways. Deshaun Watson passed on Deshaun Watson, a dude that lit up the NFL last year before he got hurt and drafted Tredavious White, a cornerback, who was part of the 47-burger Joe Flack on the Ravens put on him. He benched Tyrod Taylor in the middle of the season when your team is in the playoff hunt. For Nathan Peterman, a rookie, and Nathan Peterman got embarrassed on national TV throwing five interceptions in the first half. Then you have to crawl back to Tyron, alienating your quarterback room. And you shook the Nathan Peterman, your rookie's confidence. And not matter the fact, Nathan Peterman, we, all, we already know he can't play, and you drafted him. Then let me count the other ways. You draft Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen's going to be the worst of all the quarterbacks. Josh Allen's a tad bit better than I thought he was, but the jury's still out. I'll give you Josh Allen, even though he's a player that is more potential-based than prospect-based what we think he's going to be like a Sam Darnold, right? Or a Baker Mayfield. And then you go into the season after knowing Nathan Peterman, five interceptions in the first half against the Los Angeles Stars. You're going to start him the opening game of the season. You trade A.J. McCarron, and Lord have mercy, how bad was A.J. McCarron if you thought Nathan Peterman could man the four? You thought you could go into an NFL season with Nathan Peterman as your starting quarterback. What person that knows anything about the quarterback position would do that? I don't think anybody. The Bills had opportunities to get quarterbacks. They had the opportunity. Terry Bridgewater was out there. A Josh McCown was out there. A Case Keenum was out there. A Kirk Cousins was out there. There were a lot of players that could have been bridge holders for Josh Allen. A lot of competent starting quarterbacks. A Sam Bradford was out there. But you don't do it. You don't do it. Even a Robert Griffin III. Hell, they could have had Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick would be better than this. And then you want to know what? Got to give a shout out. My brother from another mother, Tyquan Warren. You can check him out on SoundCloud, TQ West. Put me on to this YouTube channel, RDC World, right? These funny guys are talking anime. They're doing a lot of things. But a lot of something they do, they talk about sports. And you want to know what? They do a little skit. And they do it on LeBron James. The one dude's LeBron James. You know what he has LeBron doing? Taking people's rings. He took JR's ring. Because you want to know why? JR messed up. He took Kevin Love's ring. You want to know why? Because Kevin Love messed up. He took Amon Shumpert's ring. You want to know why? Because Amon Shumpert messed up. He took in people's rings that messed up. And guess what? I can't take any rings from anybody on the Buffalo Bills because they have no rings. 
but they all messed up and I'm done. And there needs to be better. Listen, if there is another bad game against Los Angeles Chargers, I will lose my mind. I might start cursing. I might start using profanity. My grandma, grandma, my grandma Lane might have to smack me upside the head because I'm about to lose my mind. So that's the truth about the Buffalo Bills. And I'm going to be honest about it. Love you, Uncle David. Love you, Dad. But I remember that Saturday night or Friday night, whatever it was, when I was getting criticized and I tried to tell people, this team is not good. I tried to tell people, Sean McDermott, let's hold the fort. Let's hold the fort. Teams make the playoffs every year. Cincinnati made the playoffs for like four or five straight years, right? Teams make the playoffs. Let's not get, go, get so caught up that he is the Messiah because he made the playoffs for a year. Now, come up next after the break. Um, Barbershop Sports Talk going to have once Joe Sabic. Come up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a special guest, a good friend of mine, somebody that's entertainment, that's funny, that's always eager to learn, Joe Sabic. How are you doing, Joe? What's up, boys? How are you guys? <laughs> oh, that's Joe. Okay. So you're a big fantasy sports guy, right, Joe? Yeah, I'm a big uh, fantasy player. Okay, give me the loadout, because I know absolutely nothing about fantasy football. So tell me, when you're looking, when you're building a fantasy football team, what should you look for? What should people look for out there? So usually I look for a running back or two in the first two rounds. Then I'm going to try and get some underrated wide receivers, like Tyreek Hill was available in like third or fourth round this year. Tyreek Tyree Hill Ty was underrated? Yeah. He's like, one of the most dynamic, he's like one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL. How the hell is he underrated? True, but ESPN ranks him out of the, out of the top twenty, so that's usually giving you the third round pick. Well, why do you want running backs? What's so important about running backs in fantasy? There's just it's easier to find a replacement for a wide receiver than it is to find good running backs. Because um, you have if you can find a good offense, you can find a good wide receiver. So, like for example, T. Y. Hilton is talented and is available late in drafts usually around the 40th pick or somewhere between 30 and 40. Whereas running backs, you're, you're losing your top 10, usually eight out of the top 10 picks of running backs. So you're running, running backs usually early in the round. So is the issue with running backs more so like the fact that in the NFL now, there's a lot of two running back systems. So they're splitting the carries. And while that might be production for the team in real life, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to fantasy production. Yeah, true. There's very few guys that get 25 carries a game. So that's what you need to be productive. So the Ezekiel Elliott's, the Todd Gurley's, uh, the David Johnson's of the, the world. Yeah, the, yeah, okay. The guys that are involved in both offensive passing game and running. Now, when it, how important is the quarterback? Say, you can, the quarterback is a very not a big difference between like the number 10 guy and the first guy. Like, yeah, Rodgers is great and all, but you can always find that guy like Patrick Mahomes. When it was undrafted in a lot of leagues this year, or if he was drafted, he was drafted very late. And he, the key to finding a good quarterback is finding that young talent that has weapons around him. When it comes to defense, how how, is it, how do the scoring defense work? How does scoring and defense work with fantasy? So defense is um, pick. If you get like a pick, you get two points, or a fumble, you get two points. If you get a if you get a touchdown as a defense, whether it be with special teams or with um, or with, um, let's see, if you have, 
Oh yeah, if you get a fumble touchdown or a fumble or a pick six, you get six points. You get a pick six? So yeah, you get... You so get, how much is a pick six? Say that again. How much is a pick six? So you get eight points because one is the touchdown. Six points for in any ESPN league, a touchdown is always six points. Where And um, a pick or, or a fumble is two points. Now tell me, who's the best fantasy running back? Best fantasy running back, if healthy and if playing, is Ty Gurley. Great offense, best offensive coordinator in the game. And here's the reason I ask you. How much does fantasy go on hand with real life, in your opinion? I feel like a, a, there's a good deal of real life. Like, you could consider Todd Gurley one of the best running backs in the game. Consider Le'Veon Bell one of the best running backs in the game. And Antonio Brown's one of the best wide receivers in the game. Those are the guys that are putting up the top five. Who's the best fantasy quarterback right now? Best fantasy quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, as long as he's healthy. Uh, who's the second best? Second best would be a, probably be Tom Brady. Just consistency-wise, that's what puts them above. It's like there's guys that can go for 20, and then the guys that struggle the next week to get above 10. So like Big Ben Roethlisberger, when he's on the road, he's good. When he's at home, when, I mean, when he's at home. Yeah, when he's at home, he's good. When he's on the road, he's bad. And you saw it last week against the Browns defense, which I'm not going to say they're the best defense, but they're not, they're not great. Now here's when we talk about fantasy. I think fantasy is going to end up being really big, even bigger than it is now because of sports gambling was legalized. You know, there's like there's like uh, FanDuel, like draft FanDuel, all that stuff. A lot of stuff to monetize it. Do you agree that fantasy is going to start becoming bigger than ever because of that financial aspect with sports gambling now being legalized? I feel like if, if well, people are always looking for to try and find a way to make money, and fantasy football or fantasy sports, there's now a way to open up and make money where there's a lot of people that make a good deal of money off of fantasy football. Now, what's the best type of league for you to be in? For me, I'm mostly involved in ESPN Free Leagues because it's easier because you, um, you can have a lot of leagues. You don't have to buy in. And then, but if you want to go with any of really competitive, you can go with a league where you have maybe a $10 buy-in or maybe even more than that and try and make some money off of that after the season's over. How much stress is it when, you, when you're playing fantasy football and you're on Sunday and like your defense gives up like 50 points? How stressful is that? I would say it's, so last night I had the Ravens defense going and I was, I got negative two points. Basically because you get, um, you lose points if you put up more than, if you give up a certain amount of yards and a certain amount of points. The Ravens defense didn't really do much. And because of that, you, lo- you lose points, which then hurts the rest of your team. So wouldn't... So, would the Patriots be a good defense to pick? Because they typically don't, they're very good, they give a lot of yards, but they're very good in the red zone. They don't let a lot of teams score. They have been a good defense in the past because they've been able to get turnovers and not giving up touchdowns. If you can, if you can find that defense that bends but doesn't break, then they're usually top 10. Or if they can get some pressures, like, for example, the Bears defense is going to be pretty good this year because you have Khalil Mack. And the Denver Broncos defense, I mean, you've got Von Miller, you've got Bradley Chubb. They're loaded and they can make turnovers. Okay, now I want to get to real life, for example. Okay, we're done with fantasy now. Interesting, though. Okay, Aaron Rodgers gets carted off the field, then comes back on a bum leg, has a spectacular game against the Chicago Bears, Khalil Max playing hellacious. Is Aaron Rodgers the greatest quarterback ever? In my opinion, yes. He, has, he doesn't have the championships, but he has, 
he has never had a defense around him. If he had what Tom Brady had, I believe he would have as many championships as he Are you had. saying Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady? I'm not saying he's better. I'm saying he could be he's about talent wise, he's about there. He can Tom Brady can't run and throw the ball. You would take Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady. I would. Think about who when he started when Brady started winning championships, how good was that defense for the Patriots? In the early 2000s, that defense was very good. Now, okay. What was the best defense that Green Bay has ever had with uh, Aaron Rodgers? 2010 defense. That won Super Bowl. True. And has he had made the playoffs every year, pretty much, when he's yeah. healthy? Yes. So, okay, okay, let me put it this way. Brady's deep, post 2010-ish, post the three Super Bowls, the Patriots' defense has not been elite. Let's not confuse them with He's being. always had great weapons, though. Who's the best weapon that Aaron Rodgers has had? Oh, okay, okay. He turned Jordy Nelson to a, into a star. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What about Julian Edelman and Wes Welker? Jordy Nelson's more talented than Wes Welker and Julian Edelman. He's got Gronkowski. Okay, here's what I'll tell you. Tom Brady has played with two players in Randy Moss and uh, Rob Gronkowski that are infinitely better than any player Aaron Rodgers ever played with. But Randy Moss was only for like two years. and Ra- So I-, I will say that. And they set records when that happened. Now, Aaron Rodgers is at, I would make an argument, he's had more depth at the wide receiver position. He's played with a Donald Driver, a Greg Jennings, a James Jones, a Jordy Nelson, a Randall Cobb, a, 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 a Geronimo Allison, a Randall Cobb. Aaron Rodgers has played with a lot of, ta- Devontae Devo- Devo- Adams. Aaron Rodgers played with a lot of talented wide receivers. Jermichael Finley. I mean, a lot of talented wide receivers. He's had more, he's had better, as depth, he's had better wide receivers than Tom Brady, I would say. True, and he's always had better. I mean, if you look at the numbers, compare Brady to Rodgers on a points basis, and a, what can, he contributes to the game, I believe Rodgers is more valuable. Now, and this is what I'll also say. I crowned Tom Brady the GOAT, and I said this dude is the greatest ever, and I just deified Tom Brady, and I'm a Bills fan. 2016, I was in uh, Pacelli, I was sitting in a dorm, January, I forget what day it was, it was Sunday, it was the Super Bowl. The Atlanta Falcons were up 28 to 3. And then after the end of that game, my mind was in shock. I was almost in tears. And my mouth and jaw was open like, oh my gosh, he just came back from 28 to 3, from the depths of the dead, to beat the Atlanta Falcons and win his fifth Super Bowl. And that's when I crowned Tom Brady the GOAT. How many times has Rodgers come back from down 20? I'm not saying he's come back. He hasn't been in as many Super Bowls. In the there's, Super Bowl. There's not even an argument that Brady is a better playoff performer than Aaron Rodgers. If you're looking at the season, I would say Rodgers is better for the full season. And here, I just can't. I can't deny. When you do that in the Super Bowl, I, I just can't denounce that greatness. Even against Jacksonville, when they played Jacksonville, he he does something that you usually don't. So when people say he's a fourth quarter player, I usually think that's kind of bull. Do you really get better? He gets better in the fourth quarter, like in the second half. He starts playing better, and every time he steps on the field, now he's doing something no player in NFL history has ever done. Be one of the best players in the NFL. I think the best player in the NFL personally. Be the best player at the age of forty. No player has ever done that. No player has ever done that. So every time he steps on the field, now he is breaking history. True, he's, he's clutch, and he's very talented. There's no argument with that. But you still have to go with Rodgers. 
if I, if my life depended on it and I had to win a game, I'd probably go with Brady. But for the regular season, you're going with Aaron Rodgers. Starting to swing me, <laughs> be honest. No, don't let me swing. Okay, let's go to Le'Veon Bell now. I remember just talking to you. You said Le'Veon Bell's the best running back in football when healthy. Yes. I disagree with that so much. But explain to me why Le'Veon Bell's the best running back in the NFL when healthy. Because he can see, he's so good at seeing holes and find, like, he, he has like a split second to make a decision and he always finds a way to get to the right, right hole where, and make the most yards that he can get. I would agree. And you know what? I agree with that to some extent. Here, here's how I'd rank my running backs. I think, well, and it's hard for me to say this giving off this performance. I still would have Ezekiel Elliott, number one. Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's the best. I'm going to argue with you on that one. Okay. Because think about what Zeke Elliott, when he had his great year, how many pro bowlers were on that offensive line for true, the Cowboys? True, but the Steelers have a very good offensive line, too. Yeah, but they don't have four pro okay, bowlers. Okay, no. They, they one don't have, year. They, 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 don't have, they don't have four pro, pro bowlers. That, that is true, but it's not like Le'Veon Bell has a, you know. Le, Le'Veon Bell. I'm not saying he's a bad offensive line. I'm saying he's got, Zeke's got pretty much the best. Zeke guard. has the best offensive line. I think the Steelers have a top five offensive line, though. So, I mean, it's and, – and I would agree with you on that. But here's my thing. I think Ezekiel is a better pure runner than, than Le'Veon Bell. He's a, I think he's a better – I don't think he's as good of a receiver. No. If you're, if you, if you're looking at the total pack, I, I agree with that. Then Le'Veon Bell is the best. I also think Ezekiel is a better blocker, though. <laughs> and, and Le'Veon Bell is a great receiver. Here's also what I would say. To me, personally – and maybe this is just – I'm more old school. I'm more of a fan of the Adrian Peterson type, the, the – Ezekiel Elliott type, I don't need you to catch 10 balls for me and, and get 20 carries and, and 10 balls. I just need you to give me 30 carries and 200 yards and be good. I'm looking at the total overall package. Uh, I, I, to and me, I and anything you give me with catching, I guess that's bonus. But here's what else. I would say Todd Gurley's Le'Veon Bell just faster and more athletic. Well, then, is David Johnson not better than – See, I, David I David coming. Johnson better than uh, Zeke Elliott. I just think <sighs> – that hurt the soul. That I, hurt the soul. On a wide receiving back, yeah, and I'm looking at the total package. If they can, if you can run and catch balls for me, that's what I want. So should the Steelers pay Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, I would. So I mean, I would. I would definitely pay Le'Veon Bell. You would. Yes. Even though he's 30, he how many years has he been consistent? Versus how many years has Zeke Elliott been? Zeke Elliott had half a year last year, and he had one full season. And, we're, and you're crowning him the best running back out, the, the best running back in the NFL right now. Yes. How many seasons has uh, Le'Veon Bell been at the top? For like five, six years. Yes. Here's what I'll say. The, James Conner played very well. True. Let's get the Browns defense. The Browns defense is no joke. Well, I mean, Denzel Ward is going to be a player. Miles Garrett is a man. True, they have a great pass defense, but I do not think they have a run defense. Okay, here, I'll put it to you this way. Le'Veon Bell, I, I think you don't need a running back to win. Let me put it to you this way. I don't think you need a running back to win. Here, here's what I put on the emphasis. If I'm building a team, quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, cornerback. To me, those are the four premium positions in the NFL. 
It's all about the quarterback. Let's say the quarterback's the king. It's chess. So then the most, the two most important, the rules are, everything's geared towards the quarterback. Then the most important thing is the people that can protect the quarterback, the offensive line. And then the second, and then the third most important thing is the people that can disrupt the quarterback, the defensive line, your pass rushers. Then four, people that can cover wide receivers, corners. That's what I would have as top four positions. And then after that, number five, I would say, I would have a three, I think a three down linebacker is more important than a, I don't think a wide receiver is that important. Neither I do I. No, no. I, I think I would have running back sixth. I would have running back sixth. At fifth, I would have a three-down linebacker that can play the running cover of the pass that you never have to take off the field. That's what I'd have five. And six, I would have a dominating running back. But I'm saying that's that's I'm sorry, it's low on the list, right? It's low on the list. I mean, it, that's not how it used to be, though. It used to be if you had a running back, you were having a chance to win the Super Bowl. But that hasn't happened in a while, though. True. That is true. And I would, I would say quarterback is the most important position without a doubt. You look at any good team, what do they have at quarterback? Now, coming up next after the break, me and Joe are going to talk a little more football. Coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Sports Talk stuff. Joe Sabic with us. The man, the myth, the legend. He loves arguing with me. He tells me. Now, you said you're a Cleveland Browns fan. Why is you a Cleveland Browns fan, Joe? I grew up in Cleveland. I've always been in Cleveland my whole life since I was, well, since I was born. So that's why you're irrational and you think Le'Veon Bell's better than Ezekiel and Aaron Rodgers better than Tom Brady because you're a Browns fan. So you just have, you're just irrational. I don't think that's irrational that Le'Veon Bell is better than Ezekiel. <laughs> I will give you the Brady one, though. I, I, you, you swung me there. Brady, I, did, I did swing you on Brady? Yes, you swung me on Brady, but I still can't go with Ezekiel. Okay, now we're going to get to the best wide receiver. Best wide receiver in the NFL? Antonio Brown. We? Who's the second best? Julio. Okay, we're, we're around the same there. I, I, I would agree with that. And then I go Odell. Odell. How, do you think Odell should have got his contract? Yes. I believe he's very talented. I mean, no offense to Eli Manning, but he's not—he's not as great as he used to be. Joe, you should be a gym at GM. You're all about paying players, man. You're trying to get people paid. Joe, trying to get people that favor. <laughs> okay, Joe. Who shouldn't get paid, Joe? Tell me that. Who shouldn't get paid? Who shouldn't get paid? Joe's like, I don't know. Money for everybody. Capitalist society. Money for everybody. I mean, I think that depends on the production of the year. I don't think Clay Matthews, I mean, I think Clay Matthews gets paid too much that he shouldn't get paid. Yeah. Now, I do want to ask you this. Okay. So, coming into this season, lots of people are talking about the Patriots, how would Tom Brady react? Is Tom Brady too old? Uh, we have Aaron Rodgers. People think he can be considered uh, Minnesota Vikings. We know how talented they are. Who do you have in the Super Bowl? Who are your, your, your top two teams from the I AFC? have the Vikings versus the Patriots. The Vikings versus the Patriots. Why the Vikings? I love their defense, and I really I think that Kirk Cousins is probably the best quarterback that Minnesota's ever had since Brett Favre. Well, that was only like eight years ago. Nine? No, no, it was nine. It was nine years ago. That was like two thousand nine. It's almost a decade. Almost a decade. And I also love Dalvin Cook. I think he's a very talented running back. So when we go into 
and I wanted to go back to Brady for a second because I and I was talking about this and. I feel like we're in a golden age here in football, right? Because like you do, like a Rodgers or a Brady, we could make an argument, these are the two greatest quarterbacks ever. You, you could make that argument, and I, and I akin it to, it'd be like if LeBron James and Michael Jordan played in the same era, right? Because that's always a fun conversation. If Floyd Mayweather and Muhammad Ali got to box each other, or Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds got to play against each other, or like Serena, if Serena Williams or Roger Federer could play against each other, if that was realistic or... Uh, Tiger Woods and, and uh, Jack Nicholas and Phil Nicholas, if that was able to happen. And we get to see this with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. To me, the culmination is if they both play in a Super Bowl, that's ratings galore for the NFL. That, that's what the NFL needs. To me, that's what the NBA wanted with LeBron and Kobe 10 years ago. That's what they wanted. So how crazy do you think that is? Now how much you think we should appreciate that we're in this golden age where we get to see two of the greatest to ever do it? Not only them, but Drew Brees. And like, there's other quarterbacks that are... Like some of the best that we've ever seen play. So you think this is the golden age of quarterbacks? I, I do. Peyton Manning retired two years ago, but when you had Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers, that was the best four ever at, at quarterback position. Now, there was a time when there was Joe Montana, John Elway, I mean, uh, Phil Simms. But think- there wasn't as much of a – they didn't – there wasn't as much of a reliance on those guys as there is now on the quarterback position. Who's your favorite player to watch in the NFL? My favorite player to watch in the NFL? That's probably... I love Kareem Hunt. I know he's, I know he's only his second year. Toledo, player. right? Yeah. Oh, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. High, of course. <laughs> why, why do you like Kareem Hunt so much? He can catch. He can run. You're all about this uh, versatility thing, aren't you? Uh, yes. You like- I, I look for versatility in any player that I look at. I want a guy that can do multiple things for me. Multiple things? Yeah. We got to educate you more. We got to get on this. Okay, we're going to go to basketball. You're a big basketball fan too? Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah. Are you pissed LeBron left? To be honest, I'm not. If he didn't win us a championship, I would be. But I'm of the mind that he went to Los Angeles basically as his retirement home. Now we're going to have you on the record. Did you burn his jersey the first time you left Cleveland? I have not burned his jersey. I actually still have a jersey from when I was like eight in my room from LeBron. How important is LeBron to Cleveland? Just emphasize that. I always like to ask people for Cleveland. How important is it? When I say LeBron James, what does that mean? He was, the, he was the guy that was like the hometown player, the guy that came from Cleveland, that left a little bit, and which, hurt feel, which hurt some people's feelings. But when he came back, Cleveland was had a buzz to it that it hadn't had in a long time, and people kind of felt that we actually had a chance to win a championship, which we hadn't done for 50 years. Do you believe in the narrative that LeBron James is in clutch? No, I don't. Do you think that's a false narrative? I, yeah. I mean, if you look at his performances in clinching games, that is when he puts up the best stat lines. Okay, can I make this argument? Because I will push back on you a little bit. What about LeBron pre-2012? Before Miami? Before Dallas. The Dallas series. Okay, the Dallas series, yeah. He didn't, he didn't have that assertive edge to him. That was like, he knew when it was go time. He knew, I would, he knew I, exactly I, what I would say did. LeBron James didn't become clutch from, until after that series. One, after the Dallas years, I believe that 
and I believe I don't think he was clutching. And, I don't think he was clutching Cleveland the first time around. No, he was not. Okay, so we're in agreement there. Yes, we are in agreement there. So what do you think happened with him? How did he get that? Call? I think Dwayne Wade and LeBron sat down and talked, and they basically Dwayne Wade said in clutch time, "You need to be the guy, LeBron, because you are the most talented player in basketball." Now, how much of a because not a lot of people can do that. Like, Kobe Bryant would never do that. Michael Jordan would never do that. That's not, like, Steph Curry did that with Kevin Durant. It's not easy for you to be a Hall of Fame player, a star player. Let's remember, Dwayne Wade won a championship without LeBron James. How hard is it, do you think, for a player of his caliber to submit himself to somebody like LeBron James and give him his team, his franchise? I think it's, it's very hard. I think one of the reasons they were able to do it was because they're very good friends. If they had not been good friends, I don't think you see that same dynamic play out. And what do you think that says about Dwayne Wade, just the person he is and the leader he is? I think he's a great leader. I mean, there's a reason that he's that Miami actually won a couple games last year in the playoffs when he went to that team. So, well, LeBron was the leader on the court, I think. Is it safe to say Dwayne Wade was the, kind of the heartbeat of that team, the guy? He got LeBron right. He got, yeah, he got LeBron into the mode that he now is. Now, now, what were you doing in 2016 when they came back 3-1 Game 7? How crazy was that? So, uh, when they came back, I couldn't, I don't even think I could believe it. I kind of just like went to my knees and kind of just kneeled and was like, I was stunned. I didn't think, I, there's been time, like I've, I've dreamt about winning a championship, but I thought that it was probably not going to happen, especially once LeBron left. And then for him to win a championship and then getting to go to the Cavs parade, and having seen all, there were thousands of people there. Everyone was happy. It was the first time that you, we, I had seen that many people in downtown Cleveland ever. Joe, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. You're my man's Joe. I hope to have you on again, Joe. I don't know. Maybe you're too cool for the show. I'll be on again. You will? Yeah. Okay, Joe. That's Joe Saban. Now, coming up next after the break on Barbara's Sports Talk, I'm going to give my college football first four in. Last four, I'll come to next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. I want to thank Joe Saban for coming on the show. Really appreciate him coming on. He did good. Uh, can't wait to have him on the show again. Now, before we get to our college football, first four and last four out. I do want to talk about this. So, Josh Allen. Josh Allen will start for the Buffalo Bills against the Los Angeles Chargers. And I told my dad, I told my Uncle David, this Josh Allen can't start. And here's the reason. What do you need for a quarterback? You need a good running game. You need a good offensive line. You need receivers that can make tough catches. You need a defense. The Bills gave up 47 points to Joe Flacco in a remedial Ravens offense. So defense, that's not a check. The defense is bad. The running game, LaShawn McCoy had like 22 yards. The running game, not a check. The offensive line, you know, help a quarterback out. Help a brother out. Protect the quarterback, no check. So Josh Allen, similar to Nathan Peterman, and I think Nathan Peterman should start the whole season because, quite frankly, I want Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, you need to get your butt over to Buffalo because we're going to select you. And if they don't, then I'm just going to be pissed, and that's a whole other matter for another day. But Nathan Peterman needs to be the sacrificial lamb because if any of these two quarterbacks gets messed up from this experience, from this dramatizing experience of playing with this awful talent here in Buffalo, it needs to be Nathan Peterman. You can't ruin, you can't ruin Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the future. And you can't ruin the future. 
But here's something else I do want to talk about speaking of quarterbacks. So the Philadelphia Eagles are going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then the Indianapolis Colts their next two games. And, and I was thinking of this to myself because if Nick Foles, let's say Nick Foles plays really well for the next two games against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who gave up like 40 points to the New Orleans Saints and the Indianapolis Colts that got lit up by Andy Dalton. Let's say Nick Foles has two great games because we know Nick Foles is capable of playing well at certain moments. We know Nick Foles is very capable. Remember a Super Bowl performance where he lit up the New England Patriots. He lit up the Minnesota Vikings, one of the best defenses in the NFL at the time, right? But let's also look at this with Nick Foles. He was a slow starter. He, start, he played bad at the end of the season for the Philadelphia Eagles. He played bad against Atlanta in the wild card game. Then he starts, you know, getting his rhythm. Not in the wild card game, in the divisional round, excuse me. But then he gets his rhythm. He starts playing better and better. So it goes from the regular season, playing bad. The divisional round, playing bad. Then it kicks up a gear. The NFC Championship game against the Vikings. Another gear, the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Similar to right now. Plays bad in the preseason. Plays bad against the Falcons. Now he's going to, you know, he's going to play a little bit easier competition. The Buccaneers defense that isn't that great. Indianapolis Colts defense that isn't that great. And he gets in a rhythm. And here's what now happens. There's been multiple reports that Carson Wentz could be back in three weeks. He could be back in a couple months. He could be back, what, eight weeks? I don't know when the hell Carson Wentz is coming back. But if Nick Foles starts playing well and the Eagles start winning, how hard is that now to go back to Carson Wentz and get rid of Nick Foles? Because football, it's all about a rhythm. It's all about, you know, just being in that perfect, that perfect sync, that perfect motion. Right? It all coming together. It all culminating together. And that's what happened with the Eagles. They were in a rhythm. And, and when they were in a rhythm, it was downright terrifying. And we saw what they could do when they were in a rhythm. And if they get in that rhythm, how hard is it going to be for a, a Doug Peterson just to disestablish that rhythm? How hard is that going to be? So that's the only thing I would ask. Now it's time for my college football first four in, last four out. Okay, first I have Alabama Crimson Tide, number one defeated Arkansas State, 57-7. to They stuff tail Tagovailoa, in my opinion, the best quarterback in college football. They have the best coach in college football in Nick Saban, and they have the best defense in college football. Number one, I still have Alabama. Number two, I have Clemson, defeated Texas A&M 28-26. Won a tough, hard-fought game against the Aggies in Collins Station. It's not easy, no matter who it is, to beat an SET team on the road. It's not. And this Texas A&M team, Jimbo Fisher has them playing fast. Jimbo Fisher has them playing physical. And this Texas A&M team, A&M team, they are a real team. So props to Clemson to getting the job done and winning that game. Kelly Bryant, quarterback, showed tremendous poise throughout the game. Dexter Lawrence, one of the four first-round picks that are going to be on the D-line for Clemson at a hellacious game. Number two, I have Clemson. Number three, I have the Georgia Bulldogs. Defeated South Carolina 41-17. to They had a semi-hard game against the Gamecocks. It, it was close around the first quarter. Got started getting away towards the second quarter. By the time it was the third, fourth quarter, they started to blow them out. Jake Fromm eventually got together. This offensive line is very good, especially their center. Their defense is fast. You can't really get the edge on this team. The Georgia Bulldogs played a very good game against a solid opponent. Number four, I have Ohio State defeated Rutgers 52-3. Dwayne Haskins, that man is the truth and a half. Oh my God, he can throw the ball. I think he's better than JT Bear, by the way. J.K. Dobbins, I love J.K. Dobbins and my Mike Weber is good, too. They got Nick Bosa. They got Draymond Jones. The Ohio State Buckeyes are a very good team. And depending on how they do against TCU this weekend, I could move them up uh, back ahead of the Georgia Bulldogs. Number five, start of the last four out. Oklahoma defeated UCLA 49-21. Kyler Murray is turning into a Heisman candidate. 
Like I said again, he looks like Lamar Jackson is in an Oklahoma Sooners uniform. Not only that, even though the Oklahoma Sooners lost Rodney Harrison, they still have Trey Sermon, who's a very good running back for them. Their defense is very underrated. I have the Oklahoma Sooners at five. Number six, I have the Wisconsin Badgers defeated New Mexico 45 to 14. Jonathan Taylor is dominating, leading the FBS in rushing with 398 yards. Offensive line, that multiple first round picks on the offensive line. Solid defense. This team, they're not overly talented, but they don't beat themselves. They're just a really good college football team. Number seven, I have the Auburn Tigers. Defeated Alabama State 63-9. This front seven in Auburn, I keep telling people this, this front seven is legit and they can rival Alabama, they can rival Clemson, whoever you want to name, Auburn's front seven can rival them. And they have good tacklers in the secondary, they don't let a lot of yards after the catch, and I like their quarterback, Jared Stidham. He's a legitimate starting quarterback, has a nice arm, big body, can run, can do a lot of good things. I have Auburn at number seven. And number eight for my last out, I have West Virginia, and I put West Virginia up ahead of Notre Dame. I had Notre Dame eight lastly because Notre Dame almost lost the ball state. And you can't be in the top eight when you almost lose the ball state. But West Virginia, they have been lighting people up. And Will Greer, I mean, I didn't know Will Greer was this good. Will Greer can play. And this this West Virginia offense is humming. They beat Youngstown State 52-17. Will Greer start quarterback. He could be the Heisman Trophy winner for all we know right now. And this offense is explosive. So I have West Virginia 8. And that's it for my college football. First four in, last four out. Now coming up next after the break, um, Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to give my NFL predictions for this week in NFL football. Coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk. And now, I was eight and eight last week. I was batting 500. I mean, I did all right. I mean, I didn't do as well as I thought I would. I didn't do as well as I should have done. But I did okay nonetheless. I went eight and eight last week, like I said. But this week, looking to go undefeated. Now here are my week two NFL predictions. Ravens at Bengals. I have, well, this game already happened. I had the Bengals winning 27 to 17. So I'm right. So I'm going to pit myself. That is already 1-0. So I'm 1-0 for week two, okay? Panthers at Falcons. I have the Panthers winning 20 to 13. I, Atlanta can't score in the red zone. The Carolina, they have a legitimate front seven. You know, Carolina, they still play ugly football. Cam Newton doesn't throw the ball. They just do quarterback power, play defense. I don't know what the hell North Turner's doing, but they thought that was going to be some spectacular West Coast offense. I don't know. But there's still the Panthers, and right now the Panthers are just physically tougher and more grittier than the Falcons. Colts at Redskins. I have the Redskins winning 34-27. to The Colts can't stop a soul. Alex Smith, I like Alex Smith. I like Adrian Peterson. I like this Redskins offense under head coach Jay Gruen. I think this defense is kind of sneaky, so I have the Redskins winning. Texans at Titans. This is a game that can bite me in the butt, but I'm going to go with the, the Texans because the Texans were my Super Bowl pick to win the Super Bowl and represent the AFC, so I have to go with the Texans. They can't start 0-2, so I have the Texans being the Titans 24-20. Eagles at Buccaneers. I have the Eagles winning 35-7. I think this is going to be the Nick Foles' big game. The Buccaneers' defense was atrocious. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will revert back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Chiefs at Steelers. I have the Chiefs winning 35-33. And here's my thing. The Steelers, to me, are a team that 
I don't know what's going on with Le'Veon Bell, but like I said to start the show, when you when, when players are criticizing their teammates and talking about other people's money, that's how you know they got issues. Because players don't do that. That's an unspoken rule. I mean, that's an unwritten rule. You don't do that. So that lets you know that there's some stuff in that locker room that just isn't kosher. It just isn't right. Not to mention the fact that Antonio Brown's talking about punching reporters in the face. I don't know. This Steelers team just seems unfocused right now. And I think this Kansas City Chiefs team, they can't stop anybody, but they can score. Patrick Mahomes is legit Tyree Killers, the fastest man alive. Sammy Watkins is okay. Travis Kelsey, the second best tight end, only Rob Gronkowski. This Kansas City team is going to put up some points. And I forgot to mention Kareem freaking Hunt, by the way. This is going to be a, a, a burning out game where the people score back and forth across the field, but I'm going to have the Kansas City Chiefs winning. Dolphins at Jets. I have the Jets winning 17 to 14. I like the Jets roster. They are going to compete for a wild card spot. Sam Donald's impressing me with his poise, his command, just his leadership. Chargers at Bills. I have the Chargers winning 44 to 14. I think this is going to be an ugly game. I don't know. I'm off the Bills till they prove me otherwise. That's just the way it is. Don't at me on that. Vikings at Packers. I have the Vikings winning 27 to 24. I think an healthy, unhealthy Aaron Rodgers. That's going to be issues. That that Vikings defense is hellacious. And let's remember. He got hurt against the Vikings last year, and I don't even know if he's going to play. So right now, I have the Vikings winning 27 to 24. Browns at Saints. I have the Browns winning 30 to 24. I'm just gonna be on this wagon. I do not think the Saints will be going back to the playoffs. The the Saints they just gave up 40 freaking point 48 points to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tyrod Taylor can score 40. Ryan Fitzpatrick can score 40. That's just the way it is. Lions at 49ers. I have the 49ers winning 34 to 31, and then everybody's gonna be like. We should fire Matt Patricia. He's just a grouchy old guy. Cardinals at Rams. I have the Rams winning 31 to 16. No need for explanation there. Patriots at Jaguars. I have the Patriots winning 24 to 23. This is going to be a great game. I just have to go with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski over Jalen Rams, AJ Boy, and Miles Jack and all of them. Raiders at Broncos. I have the Broncos winning 28 to 24. I think Case Keenum's going to throw three touchdowns, three picks, and Derek Carr is just going to give the way, give the game away at the end. And we're all going to be looking John Gruden. You really traded Khalil Mack. You kind of need a pass for us, buddy. Giants at Cowboys. Have the Cowboys winning 20 to 19. I think this is going to be a back and forth match. I think the Cowboys are going to get it back together and get it rolling a little bit. And Eli is not an NFL starting quarterback anymore. And as bad as Dak Prescott played, Dak Prescott is better than Eli Manning. Seahawks at Bears. I have the Bears winning 24 to 16. The Bears are my surprise team to make the playoffs, so I will go with the Bears because they are 0-1 and so are the Seahawks. The Seahawks offensive line is still awful. Khalil Mack is going to feast on that offensive line. And I love Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson ain't Aaron Rodgers because nobody is this side of Tom Brady. And those are my week two NFL predictions. Now there's something I do want to get into. You know, I guess I, you can call me a Yankees fan, right? I mean, I'm from Buffalo, but Buffalo, I mean, all we have is the Buffalo Bison, the minor league baseball team. I, I don't root for the Toronto Blue Jays, even though they're closer to us because they're Toronto. I don't do Cleveland because I didn't even know what Cleveland was till like 15 years ago. So everybody knows the Yankees, right? So I guess you can call me still a Yankees fan. But what the hell is going on with my man Luis Severino? What, what, what has happened to him? We need to do a segment. This segment is called Finding Louie. What happened to him? There was a time when he was a top five pitcher in baseball. There's a time when you would say... Is Severino better than Justin Verlander? Is he better than Chris Sale? Is he? There was a time when he was one of baseball's bright and upcoming stars. And all of that can still be true. But the truth right now is, my mans, Severino, you suck, bro. You suck. And I love you, but you suck right now. You're not the real Severino. Maybe that's what it is. You're not the real Severino. It's an imposter. You know, some, some, somebody kidnapped you. I remember I saw you in June. 
you had a, a, a 1.60 ERA, you were playing lights out. And then in July, we lost you. It was, it was, it was the kidnapping. It was a heist. It was tower heist. 6.58 ERA. Damn, that's awful. Then in August, a 4.86 ERA. Not what you expect for the best pitcher in baseball. September, a 6.48 ERA. Lord have mercy. That's just suspect. Right now, Severino is 24th in the majors. Let me repeat, 24th in the majors in ERA. That's not what you expect from a guy that you think is a top five pitcher in the major leagues. Like I said, people were making the assertion he was better than Justin Verlander, Chris Sale, guys like that. People were making that assertion now. And right now, I don't even know if... He, right now, this is how, how far it's gone. Severino, he's the fifth best pitcher in the Indians rotation. I'd take Kluber, I'd take Bauer, I'd take Clevenger, I'd take, I'd take Carlos. All of them right now, all of them are better pitchers, all of them have better areas, are playing better right now than Severino. He's the fifth guy on the Indians, he's the fifth pitcher. Right now, he'd be the fourth guy on the Houston, on the Houston, on Houston staff. He'd be the fourth guy on Houston, on the Houston Astros staff. He'd be the fourth best. You got Verland, you got Garrett Cole, you got Charlie Morton. He'd be fourth. Right now, if he was in the Boston Red Sox, playing for the Boston Red Sox, he would be the third guy on the Boston Red Sox. Chris Sale, David Price would both be ahead of him. Louie, we got to find you, bro. Like I said, if the Yankees, if we can't find you, if the Yankees don't get you back, the Yankees are going to be in a wild card game. It's win or go home. There's no series. There's no three-game series. There's no five-game series. There's no seven-game series. It's one game. One game. And if you're suspecting that one game, the Yankees go, bye, 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 bye. As simple as that. And right now, if it's not even worse, you're not, you couldn't be the best pitcher for the Red Sox, you couldn't be the best pitcher for the Indians or Astros, your main competition in the AL, you're not even the best pitcher in your own damn city. Because that goes to... Jacob DeGrom on the lowly New York Mets. Louie, I love you, bro, but somebody got to find you, and I ain't a detective. Okay, coming up next on the second half of Barbershop Sports Talk, entering our LNM Radio Network segment, only Columbia, South Carolina radio app. SoundCloud version's ending. Going to have my brother from another mother, Scotty Johnson, on the show. And I'm going to tell you why Des Bryant, the brother, got a chill. Coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Thanks for tuning in to Barbershop Sports Talk.